Welcome to another message in God's wonderful Word. Here at the Hillsdale Bible Church, we aim to learn God's way, that we might live God's way. May the words you hear today draw you closer to Him. Open your Bibles and your heart as we learn together in this message. adding it up, I think that's pretty close to uh, the number of weeks I've been gone. Uh, thank you for your prayers. You see, I'm back, and uh, I'm very glad to be back. I'm very glad to be back among people who speak English. That, that makes a big difference to me after spending uh, uh, some time in Brazil. It, it was a blessing, an incredible blessing uh, to have been there and to participate in all that I was able to do there. Uh, very exciting things. I'm going to share that with you tonight, mostly. I have uh, taken my camera, and I took a bunch of pictures, and uh, I'd like to share those with you tonight during the evening service. Uh, this morning, we're going back to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 1, and verse 13. Ephesians 1, verse number 13. The next two weeks, this week and the following week, we're going to spend here in verse 13 and verse number 14. So let's, let's read verse number 13 as we begin here and I'll have a word of prayer with you. It says in Ephesians 1.13, In Him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. We are going to spend some time just reading it, seeking to understand it, and praying, Lord, that you might do that work in our hearts as we respond to what we hear. We certainly want to uh, know what you are doing in our lives, and we want to uh, cooperate with your great work, too. So we submit ourselves to you just simply as children submitting to their Father. We sit at your feet and ask you to teach us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Now there in this passage of Ephesians, there is a statement in verse number 3 that the Lord has given to us, he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And I could only imagine what it would look like if Paul says, now let me tell you what they all are. This chapter would be enormously long, and I don't think he'd still be finished writing it, uh, because of the nature of every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. But he did give us a nice, wonderful sample 
specific blessings are highlighted in the verses that follow. And as we've been working our way through our studies, we have noted five already, and there are six that uh, are going to get our attention. Today is our sixth. But we have noticed, like in verse number four, that he chose us. And that's the topic of election. Uh, we studied that several months ago. Uh, we saw in verse number five, uh, he predestined us to adoption. Also a blessing from our God. Uh, in verse number seven, we have redemption. And that's a terrific blessing as well. In verse number nine, there's the blessing of revelation that he has made known to us the mystery of his will. That's a wonderful blessing. We have noticed in verse number 11 that we have obtained an inheritance as well. And that's a terrific blessing. And these kind of sum up the work of God in our life in a, in a in kind of a, a simple manner of saying he elects us, he adopts us, he redeems us, he tells us his will, he has given us an inheritance. And today in verse number 13 it adds an extra, uh, one extra blessing here, and it's the work of the Holy Spirit in our life in sealing us. He has sealed us with the Holy Spirit. That's a topic that I don't want to hit with just one Sunday. There's so much about the Holy Spirit that's misunderstood uh, in today's world, and it has been for years, actually. Uh, I, I want to be very careful with explaining that particular ministry that we have set before us here, that I'm going to take the next two Sundays to talk about it. Um, but then we've been on this now for 15 Sundays, this passage in Ephesians. Um, started it in mid-June of this year. And uh, the overall theme is God's investment in you. And it's an amazing section of Scripture to see all that He has done for us and done for us and done for us and done for us. And not once did He ever say, okay, now you owe me for that. It's amazing. All of these things by His grace and His blessing. But there is a purpose behind it. And I'm confident of this because... Scripture backs it up all over the place. God has invested so much in us that we would have all that we need to serve Him. And we do have everything we need to serve Him. Now, some of us I know enjoy basking in all these blessings, and and that's wonderful. I do too. I rejoice in what He has done for me. But also I know there's a tendency at times that we shrink from the service. He is preparing us for service. And sometimes we shrink a little away from it because maybe we feel a little insecure. Um, we're very self-conscious at times. Uh, we're overwhelmed by the task that might be set before us. Uh, maybe a little intimidated. But there's usually a, a, a sense that, you know, we're, we're not quite so confident. We're, we like what He's done for us, but now He's called us to service. And, and sometimes we back a little away from that because we feel insecure. I think the verse before us is going to help a great deal. Um, There were things in this last couple of weeks that have uh, revealed to me that I have issues with insecurity too. One was uh, Al Piercebacher's driving. (laughs) 
I told him, I told him I'm going to get a t-shirt that says I survived his driving. If there was a number on the side of his car and stripes on the side as well, it would have been fitting. Uh, we, he lives up on a, a mountain, and I'll show you some pictures here tonight, but he's taking me to the airport at four in the morning, coming down a mountain, and there are wheels squealing as he turns corners. We got on the straightway. Now, to understand some of these Brazilian roads, everything is in the road. At four in the morning, there were cars and trucks and motorcycles and bicycles and animals and people walking along the side of the roads in the dark and cars broken down. And one had burnt up, I don't know how many months ago, sitting in the, in the road, in the lane. And I ask him, don't they ever move that? He says, well, when we get tired of it, we push it over the cliff. But in the meantime, it just stays there. Anyway, as we're driving along down the road, I noticed here he was going rather fast, and then he passed cars, of course. And I glanced over there, and I shouldn't have. It was 110 miles an hour. I said, woo-wee. Now, he was very secure in his skills. I was very insecure in my survival. But here I am. Um, another part of the, the trip that kind of reminded me how insecure I was was when I landed in Brasilia, the capital of Brazil, I was to board a flight to Fortaleza uh, where I was to join them. And, uh, of course, I'm the only one that I was aware of that spoke English in the place. And uh, they moved the gate which always bothers me. Uh, so I had to, after I had settled by one gate, they said it moved. Unfortunately, I could read the sign and understand that. So I moved to, to the second gate, got on that plane. They just started loading us up and things, and there were people coming on, and they had tickets for the same seat that other people had tickets for that they were sitting in. And there was a, a bit of confusion as to who belonged in what seat, and I wasn't about to move. Uh, I put all my feet out and tightened it tight because I don't know what I would have done if somebody said, that's my seat, and and I had to get up because I I had no idea where it was or how to solve that problem. Uh, But um, the lady next to me was uh, speaking speaking Portuguese to me. I had no idea what she was saying, just on and on and on. And so I finally said, I just speak English. And she looked at me and smiled and then started talking again. And uh, so... That that was interesting. But as we were flying in this flight, there was a couple of things that that started to catch my attention. I'd been reading a book as I went and and such. They had some uh, TV shows up on a monitor. They were playing. They were American shows, but they had Portuguese dubbed over it. And uh, I noticed they went through one, and then they started a second, and they went through that. They started a third and went through that. And this was only supposed to be a two-hour flight. And I'm starting to think in my mind, this is a lot longer than two hours. And I looked out the window, and the sun is horizontal to us. And I was supposed to land at 2 o'clock. And I'm thinking, wow, it's got to be at least 4.30. And so I started to get that feeling like I was on the wrong plane. 
And that's a terrible feeling when you start to think that way. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do if I'm on the wrong plane? So I, I started to reason. I said, well, they didn't ask for a passport when I got on there, so we're not leaving the country. I, I opened up their magazine to see where does this flight go, and not one of the flights went outside the country. So I thought that was still safe. Uh, I was going to land in Brazil somewhere. And then I, I noticed that the longest of the flights was the one I was on. And so I, I started to think, well, that must be better. But still, it seemed like a long time with that sun where it was and all the rest. And, and uh, after a few minutes of this, I started to think, I'd better ask somebody. What good it would do, I don't know. Uh, but am I on the right plane? And I, I was just about to unbuckle my, my seatbelt and go see if I could talk to a, a, a flight attendant there when a sign flashed up on the screen and it named Fortaleza, 30 minutes. I said, boy, was that a relief. That, that was a big relief to me, just to think of. By the way, the, the problem with the sun was that it sets at 4.30 every day. And that's an amazing thing. I was not prepared for that, because when it gets close to 2 o'clock, it's already way down on the horizon, and it's about to go down. And, and so that explained a lot of things to me. But it still is something that stuck in my mind that I couldn't get that out. The third thing that happened while I was there on a Friday night, they called all the churches together that the Brazil Gospel Fellowship has ministered to over the last 60 years. They called them together and their pastors and their congregation. And I was to speak to them on a Friday night. It was an outdoor meeting. It was, uh, so it was outside. It was windy. It was dark. Um, I had to use an interpreter. And I'd never done that before. They call them an interrupter down there. And uh, I had to use an interpreter for the first time. And there were, they said, close to 900 people present. And that was intimidating. <laughs> it was very intimidating for me, especially uh, with all those people and then trying to speak with somebody else repeating my words in Portuguese. And, and there were a lot of things about those events that left me thinking, you know, I'm very secure in Hillsdale. And all the way over there, there were things that kind of rattled me a little bit, not enough to to uh, uh, put me in shock, but enough to make me realize, I'm so glad the Lord's with me. And that, that was precious to me. Um, this little passage we have before us in first, I mean, in first chapter of Ephesians, verse 13, it, it speaks of something we have that keeps us secure. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. He keeps us secure. And this is a precious section of the, of the whole text because we're talking about all the blessings of God that he has given to us. And he adds us one more in the list, and that is the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, in him you also. Now that principal part of that in him, that's in Christ, as we see in verse 13. All of these verses here, when it speaks of him, we're speaking of Christ and the things that Christ has done for us. In Christ, we have everything. That's what we've noticed as we've gone through here. There's a verse in John 15 that says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I like to add to that, simply, apart from him, we have nothing. And here we see in Him we have been sealed uh, with the Holy Spirit of promise. 
Now, he also mentions the, the process of salvation here. He speaks of the fact that we've listened to the message of truth. And we must listen. For Romans tells us, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then it adds, well, how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? We are, are dependent upon hearing God's word. And that's why he's given us his word, that it might be shared with us, that we can listen to it, and that we can respond by faith. And that's the next thing he said also in verse 13. Uh, having also believed, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. This is what we're discussing here in our section. And I've made this point all the way through. So that when I, when I express this to you, I want to be clear. The blessings we are talking about here are for those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not one believer is missing a single blessing. Alright? You don't have three quarters of the blessings as a believer in Christ. You don't have less blessing from the Lord than the other guy who's a believer in Christ. All of us have been blessed by the Lord to the same degree. All of us have received of these things from the Lord, those of us who have believed. So I, I'm very careful to make that point because there are, you know, those who walk around thinking about the Holy Spirit, there are the haves and the have-nots. They've got the Spirit, and I'm not sure I do, and I've got to find some way to get Him. And I've grown up in, in circles where that was expressed. Some people believe that uh, to have the Spirit, you've got to do something. But in this text, we see it's the work of Christ in our life. And it says that you who have believed, you were sealed. You see those words? They go together, don't they? There's no one here who is a believer in Jesus Christ who has not been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And that's important for us to understand here. You are not omitted from this text. You are not omitted from the work in his, uh, the Spirit in your life. So I'm going to take a, a little bit of time to walk through what we call the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Pneumatology is a big fancy word that we pay 300 or $400 just to learn it. Uh, but uh, pneumatology, though some think theology is dry and dusty, I think it's so practical and so wonderful. And I think we need to stop for a minute and say, all right, what is the Holy Spirit's work in our life? We as believers have his work, don't we? It's busy right now. And so let's understand what this is so that we can give praise appropriately here. Uh, the way he blesses us, we, we summed it up this way, and it's real simple in theology. As a matter of fact, it's easy to put on a test. We use four little letters to talk of his four primary tasks in our life when we're saved. We spell them R-I-B-S. Ribs. Alright? These four things the Spirit does in all of our lives who are believers in Christ. He regenerates us. That's the R. He regenerates us. He indwells us. That's the I. He baptizes us. That's the B. And from verse 13, he seals us. That's the S. These four things happen to you at the moment of salvation. 
he does these works in your life. Simultaneously, instantaneously, it's an amazing thing. Uh, I think we almost need a super slow motion to see how he does it. Uh, but he accomplishes his uh, rege- the work of regeneration and indwelling us and baptizing us and sealing us all at the same time when we come to know Christ as Savior. Now, to understand that a little bit more in detail, and I won't give you a ton of verses to back these up. If you want them, we can walk through them sometime. But uh, when it says that he regenerates us, that's the whole concept of being born again. This is his great work in, in our life that when we come to faith in Christ, remember, we were dead in our trespasses and sin. What do you do with that? Well, you've got to have life brought out, right? He regenerates. That's his work. He does this great thing. And sometimes we, we, we sum it up theologically like this, that salvation is God's plan, and salvation is purchased by the Son, and it's empowered by the Spirit. All three at work in our lives to change us in such an incredible way. And if He doesn't regenerate us, we stay dead. But He does this great work. He he regenerates us according to His will. By the work of the Holy Spirit, He He gives us life. And I'm glad for that. John 3, if you want to find passages that would support that. Um, then He indwells us. I say it in such a way like it's a process, but all these things simultaneously. He indwells us. He comes and He lives within us. Now, this is a very important principle for us to get to know and understand. The Holy Spirit, as a believer, the Holy Spirit is living in you right now. Are you aware of that? Paul had to say this to the Corinthians, who had a whole bunch of problems. He says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you, you are a walking temple. God is living in there. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. Now, is that only for adults? What about our high school kids up here? They go to school Monday mornings, you know, sorry, you had your break, now you've got to go back. You head back to school. Are you a temple of the Holy Spirit? What about the teachers at the school? Are they a temple of the Holy Spirit too? They believe in Jesus Christ as Savior? Yeah. What about you at work? Do you realize you're taking your temple with you? Now, does that mean He only dwells you on Sunday mornings? No. He indwells you. That, that is a, a alarming statement that is meant to drive us to walk carefully all the time. That's why he gave it to the Corinthians. They walked very carelessly and they, they participated in, in all kinds of sins and, and his reference to them. Don't you know that you're the temple of God? I mean, we set this room aside for special purposes, don't we? I have yet to see a football game break out in this room. All right? Why? Because this is not the gymnasium, is it? This isn't meant for things. There are certain things we wouldn't want in this room because we call it a sanctuary. All right? We set it aside for a purpose. You have been set aside for a purpose because you are a temple. Now, how's your temple looking this morning? See how it comes back on us real quick? 
How's our temple? He's indwelling us. And He always indwells us. And that's one of His works in our life. I consider that a blessing. Some people consider that a, a challenge. It's a blessing to know that He's willing to live within me. He baptizes us. The B in our list. Baptizing those believers into the body of Christ. Now the picture is real simple. The body of Christ also represented as the church. Picture it here, if you will, kind of like a, a, a visible thing. But picture the, the church, not a local body, but a, the universal church. That which belongs to Christ. He baptizes us. That, that word baptize, actually it's a Greek word, so you know Greek. Alright? Uh, I know one Portuguese word. It's called light bulb. And that's the only one. It doesn't get you very far. But when I had a need for a light bulb, it worked. So, uh, but baptize is a Greek word. So it means to immerse. And that's its technical meaning. It means to plunge something into, you know, a liquid mostly. But here he takes you as a believer when you're saved, and he plunges you into the body of Christ. Now that's not giving you a sample of the church, is it? That's entirely immersing you into the body of Christ. That's, an, that's a phenomenal concept. But that's what he does with each and every one of us. He has put us into the body of Christ so completely, so thoroughly. We're not sticking a finger out. We're not missing a part of this. We are completely in Christ in the church. All right? That's why it can get very practical. And he says, don't, uh, don't put off the assembling together. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, right? We're all immersed in the body of Christ, and we should be together in the body of Christ. And there are some who prefer to stay on the fringes and stay away and, and, and keep their distance and not participate in things. Do they not realize they've been immersed into the body of Christ? That sounds like it's pretty involved, doesn't it? The Holy Spirit does that job. Matter of fact, it even goes to say in Romans chapter 6 that you have been immersed into the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ too. And it's a whole passage in Romans chapter 6 on why should we no longer be uh, walking in sin. It's because we've been immersed into his death. We've been immersed into the burial and into the resurrection of Christ so that we can walk in newness of life. He's changed us. Is that a blessing? It's an incredible blessing. He baptizes us into the body of Christ. No one is omitted who is a believer in Jesus Christ from being baptized into the body of Christ. That's important. And then sealed. That's the one we're on here. And we're going to come back to that in a few minutes. But I wanted to add a few more to the list of things he does if, in case you're wondering, okay, what else does he do? John chapter uh, 14. Let's back up there for a minute. John chapter 14. And walk through a, a little bit of a list here of what the Holy Spirit has been doing in your life. I think you ought to see this. John chapter 14. Go to verse 16, first of all. In verse 16, John 14, 16, I will ask the Father, Jesus said. Now, these words are very, very uh, special words. Not just because Jesus said them, but he said them to a group of trembling disciples just hours before he'd be arrested and then crucified. They had no idea what was coming. 
And they were having their own issues there at the table that night. But as he's speaking to them, he's telling them very important facts. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. Let's start with the word helper here. Parakletos is the Greek word. It means called to the side. Called alongside. Here's one who will come and be alongside you. He is understood as an advocate in some translations. He's understood as a comforter in some translations. All of those are, are appropriate. For if you were in trouble, it'd be nice to have an advocate right next to you. If you were hurting, it'd be nice to have a comforter right next to, right next to you. If you are struggling, if you've got a task in front of you, if you feel insecure, it's nice to have a helper standing right next to you. And the Holy Spirit has that role. He's called alongside. And that's what the picture here. And then it says, the rest of that phrase, and he will be with you, how long? Forever. Are you sure of that? That's not just Sundays, right? Forever. Forever. Let that word settle. I mean, underline it if you have to. He's not going to leave, is he? Not without kind of a word next to it. He's not going to leave. So that's an important phrase. We see that ministry in our lives, and I find great comfort in that. It says in verse 17, that is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides in you and will be with and will be in you. He's the spirit of truth, and that understanding is simple. He is always true, He will always lead in truth. To know him is to know truth. He's always about the truth. Now, the world will tell you this, and they're getting good at saying it. There's no way for you to know the truth. You ever hear it? They say, nobody really knows the truth. That is not true. Simply put, it's not true. What we see here is that He abides in us, the Holy Spirit. He is with us. And because He is with us, you know Him because He abides in you and will be in you. And who is He? The Spirit of Truth. Alright? We do know. Now, maybe not as well as we could, but we have what we need. The Spirit of Truth is within us says in verse 26, jump down a handful of verses here. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to, you, bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. He is a Helper, there's our phrase again. He is also a Teacher. Right? He is a Teacher. Isn't it great to have a Teacher walk along with you? That's his role. He teaches, he teaches, he teaches. I'm still being taught. I, I haven't graduated from this, this school here. All right? The Holy Spirit's my teacher. He teaches, he teaches, he teaches. And that's his role to us. And what a blessing that is. And he also brings to your remembrance all that I said to you. Now, particularly to the disciples, that would be a very pleasant thing to hear. Jesus said an awful lot in three and a half years. And they weren't very good listeners. And then they would discover, after several years, 
that God had intended for them to be writing our New Testament. Now, aren't you glad the Holy Spirit was there to remind them? These words that Jesus said, such as the book of John, Jesus said these words back in 30 A.D. John wrote it in 90 A.D. That's 60 years have passed. How do you remember all that? Well, the Holy Spirit's the reminder. That's his role. After all, he is the author of this book, you know. He knows exactly what needs to be said and how to bring it about. But he reminds, he reminds them. He even told them this uh, in chapter 13 of Mark, verse 11. When they arrest you and hand you over, do not worry beforehand about what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but it is the Holy Spirit. What a refreshing thing to know. That we can go in there and, and have absolutely nothing we know how to say. Struggle with such a thing like that. And yet, look at the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He can tell us what to say. He can remind us of His Word. Uh, it's such a blessing to have that kind of ministry in our lives. But we see it. It's recorded in Scripture. Go over to John chapter 15, verse 26, verse 27. Again, Jesus telling us more about the Holy Spirit. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me, and you will testify also, because you have been with me from the beginning. He testifies of Jesus. We put it this way when we studied it. He points to Jesus. You want to talk to him? The conversation goes to pointing to Jesus. That's, his, that's what he wants you to see. That's what he's here for. He's to talk about Jesus. Point to Jesus. Point to Jesus. And you know what? When he's at work in our hearts, guess what he's framing our conversation to be like? The same kind of testimony he gives is what he's building in us so that we should be talking about Jesus, right? Pointing to him. Pointing to him. Pointing to him. Even, maybe you've learned to do this, but some people I know are very good at it. They'll start any conversation, any conversation at all, and they'll find some way to get it around to the topic of Jesus Christ. That's one who testifies of him. The Holy Spirit does that work. He always wants to talk about Jesus Christ. John 16, let's jump another section, verse 7. John 16, 7, actually we'll travel through verse number 11 because it's one paragraph here. But he says, but I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, if you want to call this a ministry, it certainly is something he does. But he has this particular task toward unbelievers. Much of what he does is for the believer. But this is toward the unbeliever. It says he convicts. He convicts the world. He convicts the world of sin because they do not believe in him. He's still very active in that role. He convicts the world of righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. Somebody said, well, how does that work? Well, while Jesus was on earth, wasn't he, uh, if you will, visibly righteous? <laughs> Everything about him was righteous, and you would see that and know that. There were those that were probably convicted just from his presence. 
as he'd walked into their midst, what do they want to do about it? Kill him. You know, that's how people like to deal with conviction, right? Get rid of the thing that convicts me. And so they set apart their, their mission to kill him. But when he's gone, when he's gone, the presence of righteousness does not depart because guess who came? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here. Mankind is still convicted by righteousness. Even though they love the darkness and they hate the light, it's because it discloses their sin. Righteousness is still being disclosed to this world. This world is still being convicted. Even though Jesus went to the Father and you no longer see him, the Holy Spirit is here to convict the world of righteousness. Also, he convicts the world of judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. Now, if the ruler of sin is judged, what can you expect of the followers of that ruler? They also will be judged. That's a message that we proclaim. When we preach the gospel, when we share the gospel, the gospel is the remedy, is the answer for sin. Right? We have an issue with sin. And sin has an issue with judgment, doesn't it? Because the wages of sin is death. Those things are in front of us. And righteousness, even the best that we can do as a human being, is like a filthy rag before God, Isaiah tells us. So here's three problems our world has. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. And the Holy Spirit has come to convict them. And what's the whole point of that? That they may see their need for a Savior. That's His work. Aren't you glad He did it in your life? That's what he does. And he's very good at it. By the way, if you haven't noticed this in your Christian walk, when you start acting like the world, you feel convicted. Why? <laughs> he says, hey, that's not the way you're supposed to be. Remember, I saved you from this sin. I saved you to be like Christ. I saved you from the judgment. Why are you acting like that? And he convicts us. And boy, you know that feeling. I know it. I'm glad he does it. I'm glad he does it. We need that kind of work. But that's another blessing from his hand. John 16, verse 13 and 14. But when he, the Spirit of truth, notice that emphasis, how he keeps saying that. The Spirit of truth, the Spirit of truth. But when he comes, he will guide you. Those are good words. He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me. Notice all these he wills. He will glorify me. He will take of mine and disclose it to you. This is his role in your life. He is teaching and guiding and sharing with us what we need to know and bringing glory to our Savior. That's his role. That's part of the blessings that we have. Now, added to that, we could add the fact that he gives us gifts. You know that, don't you? Holy Spirit and gifts us as well. First uh, Corinthians chapter 12 is loaded with information on the gifts of the Spirit. But especially, we talk about what God has given us as a special uh, ability of a spiritual nature in order to benefit the church and to enable us to serve in the church. And if that's the department the Spirit works in, of course, He's got to be part of it. He's got to be part of all that. 
He distributes the gifts as he will. Read it sometime. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11. One and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. So you sit here this morning and say, okay, I think I've got a gift. I'm not sure. (laughs) If you're a believer in Christ, you do. Because that's what he does. And in case you're wondering, well, why did I get this gift when somebody else has this and I wish I had that? You ever been there? It's a terrible thing. But uh, some people start to wonder, why did he give me this gift? Because he knows what's best for the body. And as he's fitting the believers together in that body, he fits them for the best service possible. That's why he's done what he's done. He's distributed according to his will. Now, those are wonderful things he's done for us. He fills us. We could add that. But I'll tell you what, I've got a problem. See this? And you see that? Not enough time. You know what I'm trying to impress you with? Not just facts. Not just figures. Not just verses and theology and stuff like this. This Holy Spirit who is in you is so busy making you what you ought to be in this body of Christ that we may serve. He won't quit, folks. He won't quit. We could go kicking and screaming. We could be reluctant. We can try to slow him down. We could grieve him. Scripture says there's all kinds of things that we tend to do because we're insecure with what we've been called to do. But he has come to make us secure in that body. And to give us the strength to serve. And he's impressed me as I read through all these things. This is what he's doing. This is what he's doing. I'm going to finish the list next week of what he's doing. Especially this verse in Ephesians. And these things impress me greatly. It tells me that my God has invested much. And that's a weak word. But it's a word I've got to use right now. He's invested much in my life that I might be able to serve him. I'm impressed with that. And I think that's why we need to know this Holy Spirit better. (laughs) He is doing so much in our life right now. I don't know if there's a way to even catalog it all. If if we used a computer program and just cited cited all the things he's doing simultaneously in our life, I think it would blow out our computers. It's amazing. So we're going to try again next week. Just spend some time... Here, reflecting upon the fact that He is at work in your life. And maybe, maybe during the course of the week, you can, you can uh, uh, thank Him for that. Thank Him. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? But when we're thanking somebody, we're, we're appreciating what they've done. We're reflecting on what they've done. And when you start to reflect on what He's done you'll realize he's doing it still. And in that, it will start to change our lives. Let's talk to the Lord. Heavenly Father, there is so much in your word for us to try to to consume and understand so much. And when we try to understand deity, our limited minds cannot do it all. Our time gets in the way. Our Our... Events of a day get in the way. But I pray, Lord, that you might draw our attention to your work in our lives. Help us to see and understand the work that you're doing even right now in each of our lives. And help us to appreciate that, Lord. 
and to live according to it and bring honor and glory to your name. We want to be of service to you. We want to be in your business. So show us again how, how you have made that possible. And we will rejoice in that together. In Jesus' name, amen.